I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... There has never been a time, in, in definitely in my professional career, where the shortages have been as broad and as severe as they are now, which, from a candidate's perspective, is the best of times. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. Today, Ed Barrientos joins us. He is the CEO of Brazen, which is basically a SaaS at software as a service market for human resources and candidate identification and interviewing. Yeah, that's changed a little bit these days, hasn't it? Ed talks about the talent war. Yes, there is a war for the best talent because now we can all work from anywhere and help a company grow. It's not going to go away. He's also talking about the great resignation how the pandemic has made a lot of people leave the workforce, and how do you find great talent when there's less and less of it available? Amazing conversation. So here it is. Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you. Very excited to be here. We go back a long way, Ed, and uh, one of the things that's been great to watch is is the arc of your company. Uh, Originally named Brazen Careerist, now Brazen, to see how the company has raised capital, how it's grown, but the focus is something that I always love from the day you first described it. And I know you branched way beyond that, but virtual job fairs, which was the, the hook that set me. And there is a question here, I promise, sir. But the, <laughs> but the hook that set me, as you recall, maybe back in the day, is that I was got involved in, in my college alma mater and how the career center was so bluntly stunted in their ability to reach out uh, to talented uh, or to get talented seniors at my school to know where to go and, and search for jobs. So that was something that really struck me. Yeah. Walk us through how that was your beginning and kind of where the company has headed uh, since. You know, I think it's it, it started with a conversation that I had with the other co-founders of the company back, gosh, you know, a long time ago. And the, the, the real emphasis was actually on the candidates initially. It, it's changed now, and I'll talk a little bit about that in, in a minute. But we thought that the way that people went and got jobs, the whole process kind of stunk. You know, it was not a very nice process, not very respectful. Um, you know, the, all the technology that had come over the years, applicant tracking systems and all sorts of things that were good things had actually taken the human element out of finding a job out of the process. So that was sort of our goal was how can we make this a more respectful more human process. And we kind of stumbled onto the career fair market. Uh, we, we, we had a, a platform early on that we pivoted away from that was really aimed at networking, uh, allowing you know people to find their way, especially young people at the time, millennials were just coming into the job market. And our goal was to, in a sense, be what LinkedIn has become. Got it. In those years, we thought, well, LinkedIn is for you know, more, more um, experienced mid-career, mid-career yeah. folks. Yeah. And maybe there's an opening here for millennials that need to first create a network. They don't have one. What we realized early on was that it, it was going to be very difficult. LinkedIn was becoming the LinkedIn of for millennials. <laughs> so we decided, all right, let's, let's try this. Let's try something different. And we began experimenting with technology. We built all of our own sort of career fair 
uh, virtual career fair technology at the time. It was just experimental. And we realized, wait a minute, this kind of works. And we began getting some sponsors on the employer side that wanted to see how this could work to recruit people. So early on, and this would have been 2010, 2011, we began experimenting with universities. And you know, as, as we grew, uh, our product grew, our mm-hmm. platform grew, and began to be one of the main ways in which virtual career fairs were done. And that led actually to where we are today, which is, you know, we've gone way beyond that. Yes, we still power many, many career fairs virtually for universities, for states, for cities, and so forth. But what we realized is that this more respectful human way of connecting employers and candidates was really a great way to recruit. Mm -hmm. So today, most of our customers are Fortune 1000 companies that use our technology to have that and create that kind of engagement with candidates. So that's kind of the the arc of where we've gone. It's a kinder, gentler platform. It is a kinder. And and yes, and, and I should have mentioned uh, for our listeners, Ed and his colleagues are local companies. So your what's working in Washington is exactly the right label for this conversation today. So this idea, as you mentioned, applicant tracking services and those those sort of dehumanizing platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people in the HR arena use them. Is it simply because there's so much? So it's so easy to apply these days, so that they need some way to do that, or do you think uh, they're? And I say this respectfully. Are they avoiding some of the natural sort of human elements that used to be so important to the HR directors, or is it somewhere in between? I think it's it's somewhere in between. I think like everything, the initial, you know, the initial trigger for these these systems was compliance. Yeah, people wanted to be have a more blind process, so applicant tracking systems became a way in which employers could do that, could, could be more compliant in how they hired, take out more of the biases that that existed at the time out of the system. The problem is that they dehumanize the process. And there, there's a there's a term of art, if you will, in the recruiting industry called the resume black hole. Mm-hmm. And this is where applicants apply. They take a long time to apply and do all that work and never hear back. And that's not because the recruiters just don't want to get back to people. It's just that the process has, has grown to, to be very, very complicated. A lot of applications just never make it to a recruiter. There's these systems, and again, you know, it, it, it's somewhat dehumanizing. On the other hand, you do need this, this type of device to keep track of right. people and to be fair with all the, the folks that are applying. So it's, it's difficult. And what's happened over the, the course of the last – I'll say five years or so, and definitely right now, and we'll talk, I'm sure, about this, the, the talent war that's going on right now, is that, you know, companies have realized this de- dehuman- dehumanizing aspect of their recruiting process and are trying to be better at the very beginning. Even before someone applies for a job, they're trying to provide engagement opportunities. That's really where we come in. For example, if you have somebody that's really talented, is currently working somewhere. They're not necessarily all excited about going through a very dehumanized process, maybe getting rejected. They already have a job. They're already being courted by other recruiters. So those employers that want to hire great talent have to do more. Mm -hmm. They have to 
engage them even before they apply and let them know, hey, we love your background. You should apply because you have a great shot at, you know, at our company. Mm-hmm. So that's new. That That's something that when we started, that was what we were hoping the world would look like, mm-hmm. that it would become more human, that there would be more dialogue. And, and part of it is, you know, the remote workforce that we have yeah. post-pandemic and also talent shortage that we're dealing with. Every, every company is dealing with. So well, they have to do that. Let's go there. Yeah. Uh, again, we're talking with Ed Barrientos. He's the CEO of Brazen, B-R-A-Z-E-N. Check it out, brazen.com. Uh, a leading platform for, as you've just heard from Ed, uh, the connection between candidates and opportunities. So talent war. Yes. A loaded phrase you just used. Love it. Uh, I assume, as you were sort of hinting, that COVID as either the accelerant, but the idea is that somebody that lives in Ohio can work for a company based in Philadelphia, that somebody that lives right. in Philadelphia can work for a company based in Rio de Janeiro, right? So this yeah. idea of portability of talent must really drive forward this idea of a talent war, right or wrong? Absolutely. It's it's in in a sense you have the perfect storm. You have a, exactly the dynamic that you mentioned, which is the disconnecting the physical location from the the, the job. Mm-hmm. That alone has allowed companies from the West Coast to come and hire on the East Coast and everywhere in between. Mm-hmm. So that's made the that's made the talent war that much more severe. Um, and, you know, in, in many ways, you also have other dynamics that no one's really been able to fully explain, but there are less people in the workforce. The pandemic has maybe accelerated early retirement. Other, other parts of like women, for example, are not coming back to the workforce as expected. So that has a huge impact. Part of it is daycare. Part of it is a lot of other things that this pandemic has unleashed on 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 all of us but there's just a dearth of of talent mm-hmm. everywhere and it's not just your software developers you know that's that's been that way for decades right or you know other very specialized positions positions i'm talking dishwashers you know retail folks every category mm-hmm. there's never been if and, and we we deal with a lot of the fortune 1000 there has never been a time in, in definitely in my professional career, where the, the shortages have been as broad and as severe as they are now, which from a candidate's perspective is the best of times. Yep. You know, you if you're a candidate, uh, you're probably being courted by recruiters. Your your existing employer is probably proactively showing increasing some love. your pay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> showing some love. But from the employer side and the recruiting side, it is a very painful world that we're living in right now. So there's the old saw that a interviewer makes a decision about a candidate in the first 35 seconds and all these sort of horrific first impression elements that we generate. Are you guys seeing similar dynamics or can you gauge similar dynamics with Zoom and other non-face-to-face experiences that candidates have or hirers have? Yeah, it's you know it's a it's a it's a charged question uh, comment. Yes, because it's you that's know, why we we're here, all... Ed. Charged <laughs> comments. <laughs> you know, we are all you know everyone in the industry is sensitive to bias and unconscious bias. Yeah, and there are lots and lots of systems, you know, approaches, even tools that have been brought into to recruiting to help 
to minimize that. But at the end of the day, it's really, really hard, yeah. right? You you see someone and it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be anything related to race or ethnicity or gender or anything else. It's just sometimes you you just you you make judgments when you see someone. It's it's part of our DNA. It's it's what, you know, at some point protected us. Right. So it's really hard. And and I think the best companies have done a lot to train and make you aware that you have your every, all of us, every single person has biases. And you're seeing that right now there's a big push for diversity and inclusion in hiring. And if you think there's a talent shortage broadly, yes. there is an enormous talent shortage in DNI recruiting. Exactly. Companies want to do better, they want to move their metrics to a better place. They cannot find diverse talent. Yeah. So you know, everyone is trying. Everyone is is much more conscious today of their own unconscious bias, but it is a very difficult, it's a very difficult challenge for all of us. So you mentioned the word compliance before, and that's yes. clearly the flavor of where we're going. We're talking with Ed Barrientos. He's the CEO of Brazen, an amazing software right here in the Washington area. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. We'll be right back. What's working in Washington? I am your host, Mark Walsh, and we're back here again with Ed Barrientos. Ed is the CEO of Brazen, a software services and platform uh, of the human resource variety, I guess, a HR variety and a full sort of – is there such a thing as SaaS for human resource, I guess? In there ways? is. Yeah, yeah. We, we would consider ourselves a SaaS yeah. platform, sure. But, Ed, let, before we get back to some of the points uh, that are so important in the future of what human resources means to, to companies and not-for-profits – Let's go to education again. We touched on this earlier. Mm -hmm. um, the career center of most school, most colleges, even the most highly ranked, is often the place that is populated, lovingly I say this, by folks that are not the A-plus members of that community. Do, are you still seeing that, or has there been some, has there been some awakening in the value of, a, of, a, of an effective career center for those uh, men and women uh, getting their BA and BS that want to enter the workforce, or are we still, we still back in the day? You know, I, I think I'm, I'm going to go back to this talent shortage Yeah, um, and, and the remote nature of post-pandemic world, you know, normalcy. Both of those have been incredibly powerful drivers for changes at, at the campus recruiting, partly because where do you have an unlimited resource of new talent? Yep. Universities, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the folks, a lot of companies that have always done campus recruiting are actually increasing that because they no, they can't find anyone else. So, you know, there a lot of in a lot of companies that had never done campus recruiting are doing so. They're realizing they've got to go to the talent where it is as early as possible and so forth. So that's that's on one hand. The other is that for a lot of universities, they used to be primarily, except for maybe a handful of you know the top universities, they were typically regional in terms of where right. talent was you know went to work. That's also changing. So you could be a, an East Coast university with students that can work anywhere. You know they don't have to move anywhere; they can work for anyone. So both of those things have made campus recruiting extremely hot right now. 
which means when, when the campus recruiting sector is hot, there's more money that comes into the universities because typically employers pay. Yep. Not all of them, but it, it, typically they pay universities for the opportunity to engage with students. I'm hopeful because, as you mentioned, it's not it's 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 an area that many universities always kind of it's like the redheaded stepchild yep. of university, um, you know, departments and units. They they're sort of there. They don't get a lot of resources. They don't always get a lot of respect. I hope this is changing forever. Yeah, you know, that they really it's such a critical role for our society and for, you know, for the the new students being able to 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 have much more available to them from the university to get them connected to employers. Oh my goodness, you know that's that's a huge huge deal. So my dad was in the advertising agency business. He used to say the the problem with our business is the inventory goes down the elevator every night, right? <laughs> yeah. But it, but it does strike me that yeah. HR professionals are becoming more cognizant of that. No matter what yeah. industry they're in. But just like I was dissing career centers at colleges, <laughs> I always thought that HR as a as a as a career in a corporation was a little bit of the ugly stepchild or the, yes. the fair you know that didn't have the professional vitality and you rarely saw CEOs coming out of that zone. Are you seeing a sea change there or are we still Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Great. And and that's also exciting because you're you're spot on and it's something that if if we look at, you know, Brazen has been around, you know, uh, for for 10 years. And even in that time, which in, in relative terms is pretty short amount yeah. of time, we have seen major changes. And once again, and I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but both the, the remote nature of work and the pandemic and the talent shortage, I should say, have really meant that the, the whole role of HR has gotten a lot more attention. Mm -hmm. People realize when people start leaving the organization or they can't hire enough people coming in, mm -hmm. they realize this is a major competitive disadvantage. And you're seeing companies that have gotten that right, that have made investments in HR, that have made investments in talent acquisition and employee engagement, employee retention are winning mm -hmm. because, well, they have people and mm -hmm. they have good people. And not being able to have your team intact or being able to grow your teams is brutal. And I'll, 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 I'll go on a slight tangent talking about the tech industry specifically and yeah. startups. It is one of the toughest markets right now because you're getting a lot of new companies, new startups that are getting a lot of money. And what are the investors telling those folks to do? Go hire. Go mm -hmm. hire salespeople. Go hire engineers. Hire the best, too. The best, yeah. right? And, it, and, and cost is no issue. Mm -hmm. So that just continues to drive compensation up. It makes the talent war that much more severe. Mm -hmm. It's a tough time. So let's talk about that sure. specifically here in the Washington area. Yeah. God knows uh, Amazon is the, the gift that keeps on giving or maybe the <laughs> challenge that keeps on challenging for this. What are you seeing locally on, on, on Amazon's impact? Is it as dramatic as some fear that they would bid up everybody and it would, it would change the economics of getting the, quote, best, unquote, talent? Or is it a different outcome, or is it still too, uh, unclear what Amazon will mean? Well, I, I, I have bad news for the local economy in this sense. It's not just Amazon. What's okay. happened is you have Amazon times 100 because what because of the, the remote aspect of it, we, we're competing with Facebook. We're yeah. competing with Google and Apple and every other company. Got it. Now, it helps that D.C. is – in terms of the compensation sort of scale, I'd put D.C. at a B in mm -hmm. terms of cost 
Yeah. New York, the West Coast are at an A or A plus in terms of just how how much they have to pay. Right. The problem is with their cost structures, they can come here and they can poach and tell people we'll double your double your salary. Yeah. Which is really hard to you know compete against if you're a smaller company or if you're you know an organization that's been here and and doesn't have the the wherewithal to to match those types of offers. And, and getting back to a prior set of or, uh, 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 comments that we were saying to each other about diversity. Mm-hmm. It's probably accelerated. So the great resignation, which is a crazy term, yep. but I think it's, to your point, actually true that those folks that are desirable because of their features, either gender, demographic, in some cases, geographic, certainly skill set, they're probably getting bid up too. Yes. yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's we we find one of the biggest drivers for Brazen right now is DNI recruiting, mm-hmm. partly because you know, if, if you're in D.C. or if you're in an area where you just have a smaller minority population, I'm not saying D.C. is one of those, but there are plenty of areas where, you know, traditionally you just didn't have that many folks of color or, you know, diverse candidates. Today, n- no company no company can use that as an excuse because right. you could hire anywhere. So our type of virtual recruiting that we enable is really ideal for DNI recruiting, and that's what we're seeing is this, this explosion in interest and in action. Now, the the challenge is, you know, it's kind of supply and demand, as you as you mentioned. It's it's very difficult still um, to you know to find diverse candidates, and but it's it's definitely something that to me is extremely exciting to see the interest level, um, you know, it really in in just about every sector. Are you seeing any difference? I guess I should ask if you have any clients in the not-for-profit arena. Is is this everything we've talked about true for those entities as well? It really is, unfortunately. And and what I'm what we're seeing, and and this is something personal personal in that I have friends that are in the nonprofit sector. What they're finding is people are coming into the nonprofit sector to take people out into the for-profit sector. There you go. The, the, the compensation issue is something we're all dealing with and yeah. nonprofits as well. Unfortunately, that is that is the, the reality of today. So one thing that my my colleagues or folks I know that are in management at either not-for-profits or for-profits is, and I won't say millennials, but today's younger employees often are looking for career advancement, or tiny raises every six months to 12 years, uh, to, to six to 12 months. You know, in, in my career, maybe yours, you know, it was like, you were like, well, it's been a couple of years since I had a review that would, but they're looking for that sort of tiered uh, upgrade or attention at a way, way faster cycle than than it used to be. Are yeah. you seeing that? Definitely, definitely. And and I think what's what's interesting about millennials and Gen Z, you know, specifically that that's entering the, the workforce now is, that is certainly the case, but also there's another element which is purpose. Yeah. That you know, I'm a Gen Xer, boomer, you know, and you know, I mean, I, I don't want to make us seem like we didn't care. Of course, we cared, but it wasn't front and center in our decision of where we wanted to work. Today, it is definitely front and center. People want to know what your values are. What what is it that you're doing for the world? Yeah. And and I I heard just a couple of days ago a new job title in the C-suite is chief purpose officer. No. Yes. So purpose is important, <laughs> and it's it's important for retention, and it's very important for recruiting, especially again the millennial and Gen Z 
if that's not being put front and center, wow, they may not even look at your company. So that that's again, you know, a, a lot of employers are having to move very quickly because all these various trends, generational change, the pandemic, remote, you know, talent shortage, all these things are causing incredible. I think positive upheaval in so, HR. And so the C-suite continues to grow. Yes. Uh, it was CTO, then CIO, then CMO, chief marketing. Yep. CHRO. Uh, CHRO, excuse me, yep. human, cap- well, H- human capital, ch- chief revenue officer, uh, chief diversity officer, yep. and now chief purpose officer. That's right. CPO. That's right. CPO. I, 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 I look forward to having you back, Ed, in, in some period of time, and you tell me what kind of candidates are getting that job. Yeah. Or what were they doing beforehand that made them right for that job? It's probably yeah. going to be a, a movable feast. Yeah. So um, let, let's talk about compliance. Yeah. We touched on it earlier as we mm-hmm. wrap up our conversation. I've got my tough question for you. <laughs> G- give a sort of a lightning round. W- w- with their go as compliance in this new post, post-pandemic world, is, is it is it going to be the same? It's just harder to find people to fit it? Or do you think compliance will become more and more strict? Will there be more regulation? Or because of the pandemic, it'll be relaxed in some fashion? That's a that's a great question. It's the sixty four thousand dollar question. Bingo. I think we no one really knows. I mean, it's it's complicated because yes. if you go in one direction, you dehumanize. Yep. If you go in the other direction, you risk bringing in bias and all sorts of issues. And I don't know if I, I don't know if there is a. a, a We're going to find out exactly. Yeah. We're going to find out. I wish I had a better answer for you, but no, that's, no. it's a really ch- tough challenge. And and by the way. The pandemic, like it's done for so many other things, it's created these exceptions. Yeah. You know, you've got to do this now because you have no, no other choice. Yeah. So we'll see what happens after the dust settles. But it is it is a main topic of discussion right now in HR. Ed Barriento, CEO of Brazen, our final question in our time together here today on what's working in Washington. If you were king of the world for some <laughs> period of time, what would you what would you mandate? What would you get rid of? You know, that's a that's a really tough question. I, I guess I'll answer it this way. I think one of the – as a technologist yeah. and, and entrepreneur, I love change yeah. because change opens up incredible opportunities. Disruption is good. I think we have seen so many things in HR, DNI. I mean we just talked about right. the DNI, compensation, purpose. how you think yeah. of purpose, all these things. My My hope is that – in a post-pandemic world, we don't just go back and say, all right, we don't have any drivers anymore. We can go back to the way it Good was. One. I think we have an opportunity to rethink that employee-employer relationship at wow. all levels from recruiting to engagement to retention. Yeah. And I I, I just I, – I'm, I'm excited about this because I think the world is – open yeah. you know it, it just the 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 fact that remote work is here it's just so many opportunities so i guess that would be I love my it. position yeah ed barrientos he is the ceo of brazen a local company that we're big fans of the team behind what's working in washington is a great group the executive producer and editor is tracy madigan online content anna DeGraff, and that theme music you enjoy performed by the sunbathers You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.